Hello, my friend, and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Heavenwards. We are entering into the second week of uh, Lent, and it's a special time, and our journey intensifies us a little bit. I hope that you can welcome the word of this week and welcome the challenge that the word gives us to indeed follow Jesus up on a mountain and contemplate his glory his beauty so that by listening to him we can experience new life let us pray O God, who have commanded us to listen to your beloved Son, be pleased, we pray, to nourish us inwardly by your word, that with spiritual sight made pure, we may rejoice to behold your glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with them. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. We are in the second week of our Lenten journey, and uh, we are getting warm up, right? Hopefully our practices of thought, Fasting, almsgiving, and prayer are still there. They are still growing. They are still helping us to reach the goal. But what is the goal? Well, our Lenten journey, of course, started last Sunday. Well, before that, with Ash Wednesday. But last Sunday, we were in the desert. You remember? And we were there with Jesus. And with them, we were dealing with the issue of temptation. We noticed that the devil tempted Jesus not really as an adversary, a frontal attack, but he came from the side. So more than temptations, these are seductions. It's like a life coach 
telling Jesus how to make better choices so that he can get a better life. Don't worry about what the other people will do. Think about you and yourself. What did Jesus do? Jesus really maintained that dialogue to a very minimum. It is highly recommended that we do not dialogue with the evil one. Evil is evil no matter how much he's going to present it as a good thing. But we have to, that's what Jesus did, reclaim the centrality of God. Every time he answered back to the temptations, he placed God back at the center. So when the devil said, change the stones into food, he said, no, things do not feed me. Things are things. God and his word feed me. So you, you see how he replaced and placed God back, making sure that the center is clear, the foundations are strong, so that we can stand on something stable. We have to do the same. We have to make sure, and this is the season when we take a look at all the stuff that we have accumulated, uh, you know, in the year, and we start taking it off. And that's what this fasting, almsgiving, and prayer helps us to do, to remain focused and say, I am following Jesus. He is the one who feeds me. He is the one who helps me to enter into proper and healthy relationship with others. He is the one who will allow me to encounter God. Are we there? Now we are on a mountain. Desert is the place where we face our demons. We have to call them by name. The mountain is the place where we encounter God. Remember Moses? Every time you have to encounter God, there he goes climbing that mountain again, and then coming down, it's come, come on guys, so, you know, I have a certain age, these things don't come out, right? But it's the mountain, the place where we physically and mentally, you can see the image, right? We are getting, we feel we are closer to God because we are, and from the mountain, when we look down, the city and all the, the big problems, they look very, very small. Did you notice? And that's why we, it's beautiful to change perspective. And that's why we are there. But if we are there at the mountain, God is revealing himself to us in a very unique way as the most beautiful and glorious one. We are attracted to light. We are attracted to that which is beautiful. So Jesus takes only three of his disciples. He goes up on a mountain and without really saying anything, it just changes and he gives them a glimpse of the glory of the life that waits us on the other side of creation. Prior to this episode, he told the disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and die. And now he's telling them that death does not have the last word, that whatever is on the other side is attractive, is beautiful, is glorious. But certainly the image of Jesus changing and becoming so bright, God obviously has always been into special effects. Even with Moses and, uh, you know, in the desert with the, the pillar of fire. The, forget about Star Wars. God way back then was into special effects. So, why? Because we, we like them. We are attracted to those kind of things, right? And therefore, he really knows how to capture our attention 
to make sure that we think about the right things. But this image, because we are, as humans, we are also visual, right? Uh, the, one of the first lessons we learn as children when we learn how to ride a bike is never look at the place where you don't want to go. If there is a tree, don't look at the tree. Why? You're going to find yourself at the tree. No matter what, like, ah, then there. So, but so whatever is luminous, whatever is bright, whatever is beautiful that we keep looking at, we will follow. Now, look at this. In the liturgy, we also have this concept. What is the very first thing that comes in the liturgical procession? It's the crucifix, right? Because we, looking at Jesus, know how to go to the altar of God. So let's keep that in mind. Whatever we look, whatever is in front of us. Now, St. Paul, interestingly enough, calls, we know that one of the names of the devil is Lucifer, meaning the bright one, full of light. And what the devil does, he convinces us not to look at Jesus, but to look slightly off. Why? Because whatever we're looking at, we're going to go and we're going to follow. So now the story of the transfiguration tells us in our Lenten journey that we must focus entirely on Jesus and keep him always in front of us. Otherwise, we're going to lose our, uh, our way and we're not going to be at the resurrection. We're not going to celebrate Easter in the way he wants us to, but we may be celebrating something else. But when we look at Jesus, we must make sure, as Peter, James, and John did, that they, we look at him for who he is, not for whom we wish he were. Because sometimes, and I do that all the time, I tell God, your will be done. Some restrictions may apply. I think I know how to make this thing go much better. Or, don't take this long in doing your will. Okay, we have things to do. So sometimes we make these choices that we, we, we want to tell God how to do it better. Listen, in the first reading, we have the story of Abraham. What, why is that? Well, because we know that the path of Christianity, the path that we are on, is a path of transformation. Just like Jesus was transfigured, we are supposed to be transformed as well. And what, what does this path of transformation lead us? What is Christianity all about? By becoming more and more like Jesus, we become more and more ourselves, and only when we are ourselves, we can be fully present to ourselves and really active and thriving. And that's what Jesus wants us to do and to experience. That is the path. That is the goal of Christianity, making us more and more like Jesus so that we can be ourselves. But look at this. Abraham was also transformed. Imagine this guy, Abraham, that never encountered God before, hears him, and he, this God tells him, I will make you a blessing for all nations. I will make your descendants white as a nation. Okay, I'll buy it, said Abraham. But now they're getting older and older and older. I'm sure you saw the movie or read the book. You know the story, right? So they're getting very, very old, and ain't gonna, it's not happening. So what did Abraham do? He tried to help God out. So he said, hey, God, I'm going to adopt my servant. He's going to be my child, right? And then that's the blessing. That's how the blessing will go. And God goes, no, that's not what I said. Okay. So he says, of course I can 
have a child with my wife's servant. And they will be the child of the prophets, right? And God goes, no, that's not what I said. And Abraham tells God, say, dude, I'm in my 90s. Ain't going to happen. You know, it's not going to be easy for us to raise a child. So he is trying to tell God how to make things happen. I've been there. I've been Abraham. I've been telling God how to do things. And God says, nice try. Are you adorable? But no, that's not what I said. So Peter is doing the same in the story. I, I noticed something. For, look, at, look at what's happening. They are seeing Jesus being transformed. Okay, it's very bright. We don't really know exactly what they're seeing. But obviously, there is something amazing happening. And then all of a sudden, they realize that Moses and Elijah show up. And Peter apparently recognized them. They may have the name, tag, the name tag or something. I don't know how, but they find out, so it's fine. And of course, uh, Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, I get that. And they are all both talking to Jesus, okay? So it's Moses and Elijah, and Jesus is in the center. Moses and Elijah. Now, uh, Peter realizes that this is a beautiful experience. He said, hey, Lord, this is really cool. Was not expecting this, but this is good. So why don't we, why don't I build tents, huts, so that I can put God in a box, all right? And I can use it whenever I want. But now, also remember that one of the feast days of Judaism is the Feast of the Booths, the Feast of the, the Tents, okay? It's a celebration. It actually was just called the feast. It was the big one because they would build these little huts and they spent a week going there, staying there, remembering the history, their history. Okay, so it was a big thing. So now Peter connects. I know how to do it. I can build little now. It's one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Did you notice what he did? I'm going to repeat. He said, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What did he do? He shifted. He placed Jesus on the side, and he placed Moses in the center. The most important person is always in the center. You remember the story of the three uh, when Jesus was crucified? Okay, the other two thieves were on the side. You know, even in the, in the, in the liturgy, the, the bishop or the priest, it's always in the center with the two altar servers on the side, the deacons or whatever. Okay, what did he do? He shifted. What is he saying? He said, listen, why don't you try to be the Messiah that the law says, that Moses said? Okay? The one who comes and does things according to our expectations. As he's saying this, what happens? Another special effect. There is this cloud coming and a voice that says, this is my beloved son. You listen to him. And Peter goes, oops. I'm sure you don't like it. Okay. Listen to him, not what Peter said. Why? Because in our lives, we must always place Jesus at the center. We must always listen to Jesus. Who's at the center? Jesus. Whom are we listening to? Jesus. Remember that in antiquity, in the language of Jesus, the word for to listen and the word for obey is the same word. So to listen means to do what he says. My mom used to do that. 
Whenever I did something, in my mind I said, oh, I just wish you had listened to me. <laughs> what does it mean? Did, did, did she mean, I wish you heard me? No. She meant, I wish you did what I told you to do in the first place. Now, what, the, why are you here whining? I told you what to do, and you should have been done the first time. So you know my mom. Okay. <laughs> the idea is this, that we must always resist to place Jesus on the side and place something else in the center. It could be our opinions, our likes, our dislikes. Sometimes we use a lot of words, and I bring it up. There is nothing wrong being old school, conservative, liberal, whatever. If you're in the church, you're in the church. But never use that to excommunicate others. That's placing something I like in the middle and telling Jesus, take that sidestep, please. No. During Lent, that's what we do. We do whatever we can to place him back in the center and listen to him. St. Paul in the second reading tells us that we have to live a holy life. What does it mean? It means that we are called to live the life of the Holy One, the life of Jesus. How do we do it? It's by following what he says, by meditating on the gospel, by making sure that our mind is renewed with the word. What happens when we do that? We too will be able to see who Jesus truly is. We will be able to see him shining brightly. And with our eyes fixed on him, we will be able to follow Jesus all the way to the altar of God. And only he will be able to tell us how to live a transformed life, the life of children of God. And that's the most beautiful gift that we can give to ourselves and to pass it on, to help each other to remain focused on the only one that really becomes our life, Jesus, our Lord. And I hope you have been inspired by the word to continue your journey of Lent and move closer and closer to the resurrection, to the celebration of Easter. I wish you well. Know that I'm praying for you and I ask you to continue to pray for me and all of us priests who are in the ministry of, and deacons who are in the ministry of preaching the word. God bless you and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.